you're listening to the Games Street of this podcast. I'm James Bachelor, and this week I am joined by Jeffrey Russo and Brendan Sinclair. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories from the past week, starting with and focusing probably mainly on the cancellation of E3 2023. So, uh, on the off chance you don't know about this yet, uh, the ESA and Repop, which is the parent company of Gamesdrop.biz, have confirmed that E3 2023 is not going to be happening. There will be no digital event, there will be no physical event. There will be no E3 this year. Um, Reasons for this vary. There is plenty to read on Games of Biz as to why, and we will be delving into that. So I guess I mainly want to talk today then about what's next, because I'm going to quote Polygon here. Polygon put this particularly well. As news spread of E3 2023's cancellation on Thursday, Games Twitter went straight into obituary mode. And yeah, like all you've seen, like hashtag E3 memories, like loads of people sharing their thoughts on E3. It feels like everyone's treating it like that's it. Not only is it coming, it's not coming back this year, it's not coming back ever again. Now, the ESA certainly hasn't said that. They've not drawn the line under it. We had an interview with the president of the ESA, Stanley Pierre-Louis, who kind of, they're still open to it. They still want, they still believe the ESA and E3 can have a role in supporting the industry and helping with that marketing and conveying the messages and, and the role that E3 has played, but stop short of committing to that they're definitely being an E3 2024. Um, I just want to... I, your, your reactions first, I guess. Then, like, Where were you when you heard the news? I was at my computer working, um, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, where were you when you heard about 9-11 kind of moment for me <laughs> it was it was really just uh oh we're doing this again okay <laughs> okay so i i apologize i think the re- i think the only reason i framed it like that is because um so chris Dring, who's our head of b2b i lose track of what he is but like head of games industry.biz basically chris Dring and i were at the bafta awards in london at the time the news so we both had to kind of duck out and like rush and get i was the only one who brought my laptop so we we're like sitting in the lobby like some full black tie dude frantically trying to get the uh, the interview with um, Stanley up on the uh, on the website. So that's why I think perhaps because I was in, in the least less than ideal position to be helping to cover that news. I think that's why it felt like a where were you when you found out kind of moment. You, you know the uh, the urgency to actually get stories up on the site and all that. I I think that may have been a kindness so that you didn't have to actually sit there talking with people about how your parent company's big E3 push had apparently not worked at all. That's true. true. Those would not have been fun conversations to have, I think. After after the story was up, I pretty much had to go home at that point, so I just left Chris to have those conversations. But it did at least change the subject from how did Vampire Survivors win best game? Which a surprising amount of people were upset by. Well, now now I'm really like upset because we just like (laughs) took Vampire Survivors' great moment and overshadowed it. We maybe for some people we ruined it. We we ruined Vampire Survivors' good moment. A game, a game as as I think it was you who pointed out, Brendan. A game so good that we not only picked it as game of the year once but twice. Yeah, it's a good game. We've gone on a tangent there, but I think that's to avoid talking about the uncomfortable truth of E3 going. Sorry. I believe you were actually on the way out for the day, uh, but thank you for staying and helping us get the, the interview up. Like, what, Rather than where were you then, like, what was your reaction? What were your thoughts on the news that E3 is going to be cancelled? Because let's be honest, we learned 
pretty much the same time as everyone else did. I mean, it didn't come out of nowhere, right? No, <laughs> like, like the when um, last year they they I was part of a meeting of a few people where it was kind of like uh, people higher up in the company were like, hey, if we if we did this E three thing. And, you know, it's not a done deal yet. Like, what what do you think we should do with it? You know, what would you do with the problem of what to do about E3 in this? And so I, I, I think, like, right from the start, and this is something E3's been going through for years, is is there's been sort of a a question about how it fits into the to the current games industry. Because it used to be... You know, you have uh, a packaged goods-driven industry, and E3's timing was right to get all the retailers uh, a good look at what they were going to be ordering for the holiday season. And it was, uh, I'm not sure about the timing necessarily, but having it was like really important for getting the mainstream media to, to pay attention to video games and, you know, put it on the front page of USA Today or, or whatever. Um, because games weren't front of mind in in culture generally for that up till that point and and then the press you know we we just had a had a only so much budget any given press outlet so so having a big event like that where we could go and talk to everyone and see everything that was happening in the games industry at the same time made a lot of sense uh so it worked kind of it worked for everyone at the time or for a time um but as as the industry's uh, gone digital retailers and what they want and their schedules matter a lot less uh to to everyone the you know developers and publishers have realized like okay well we've got our marketing hype cycle here and having a crescendo moment like five months before the game comes out maybe isn't what we need and also sharing the stage with everyone else fighting for their own you know piece of that mainstream attention is is a pain when we could just have our own special news cycle or three to ourselves by doing a nintendo direct style thing and that the actual expense of putting together the the booth and all that so like I, I think for a lot of people, E3 in the last five, six years or whatever hasn't really worked the way it was supposed to. And a lot of a lot of companies were doing it just because that's kind of the way it's always been. And and eventually, you know, I think Nintendo might have been the first to recognize this when they decided they were going to stop doing live stage shows like E3 2013 or 14, maybe. And they just did the Nintendo Direct thing. Um, they called it an E3 game showcase or whatever, but it was basically, you know, here's a YouTube video that we put out at a certain time instead of having our big press conference. Uh, and then you had Sony um, decide that, you know, one E3, they were just like, okay, well, we're only going to do four games, uh, focus on those. And then the next E3 just didn't, they didn't show up, I think, the E3 the year after that. And they it didn't hurt them at all, you know? Uh, so without, without Sony there, uh, I think that was a massive blow to E3. And then you also had third-party publishers like EA deciding we don't need to be part of E3 proper. We'll do EA play 
uh, the weekend before, and it's in the LA area, so we get the benefit of, you know, some people being in town that otherwise wouldn't be, but we have, you know, a news cycle to ourselves before everyone else does their big announcements. And, and the show changed so much, and there were always the questions about, like, it's too busy. How do we make sure that the people who need to see stuff see it? But at the same time, we don't want to go back to that like E3 2007, 5,000 people thing that felt just empty and not, I guess E3 2008 would have been the, the more appropriate one because that was at least in the LACC. Um, and, that, and that one just felt dead because there was no excitement there. There was, there was no, no big hype around stuff, even though the games that they were showing were you know, massively successful in 2008, wound up being like one of the big last peaks of the industry before it switched to digital distribution or leaned too heavily into that. Um, yeah, it's e- E3's just been this like this thing that a lot of people have nostalgia for because it was super exciting to have everything in the industry happening in the same week and just, you know, day after day of, Oh my gosh, big news. Oh my gosh. I can't believe this is happening. Um, but you know, that, that spectacle was, was expensive. And as soon as it didn't serve everyone's needs, uh, people decided it's not worth spending that much money on for myself. You know, I, I was working and then I saw the news and then, um, you know, you see the memes, you see the jokes. And then um, one thing I thought was pretty interesting was seeing um, newer journalists like myself, you know, share and express, oh, you know, I, I never got a chance to go, you know, and feelings like that. And then I thought, on one hand, you know, I, I certainly get it. But for me, you know, I, I, I kind of felt indifferent because... Um, Given the news about who who may or may not be showing, you know, first you raise an eyebrow and then you're like, huh, okay, that that doesn't sound good, you know. So my 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 whole thought process was, as you know, seeing our parent company work things. I just thought, um, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, um, that doesn't really affect me either way. I don't think. Um, the, the, the other thing I kept thinking about was that how a lot of people kept sharing, you know, a lot of nostalgia of what it was. And what I what I immediately thought was, that, as Brendan so eloquently pointed out, is that, you know, the industry has been changing because now companies are able to do their own thing digitally or carve out a space for themselves, which um, I don't know how cost effective that may be for them, but I imagine that it, it, it is considering how, you know, a number of them are up for it. And I also think about how like over time as well, you know, we've had other shows, granted they're not as big as what E3 has been, where they have become more focused on what they want to do and what they are, you know, games that appeal to people who uh, want cozy games or games from different regions and things of that example, or games that focus on, um, overlooked um, communities created by developers and, and things of that nature, right? And then I think about what E3 has been and said, yeah, this has been this big show, this big media showing where, you know, even um, uh, the biggest sub-publications report, oh, hey, you know, down in LA, you know, there's a big E3 that happened. These are the game trailers that get people hyped. And, you know, what I question uh, as well as what Brandon was mentioning um, is that what, what does that really 
what does that look like going forward, right? Like, do do you need a, a necessarily a big show like that now? You know, um, and the other question I have is how how does that change going forward? Because again, you have these other shows and other companies, other publishers doing things that I think that serve what people are looking for. I I, I guess the the question then becomes is that here's a reason why you want all these people in, in a space. And, you know, in my head, it's like, well, what does that even look like now? Because things are rapidly changing, right? And I imagine, you know, for a company like Microsoft, Sony, Ubisoft, it's just easier for them to do their own thing within their own space, however, however much that may cost them versus going on the show floor and, um, you know, having prospective business partners. But also I get that the other draw too is to have people come see have conversations you know get interviews and what have you and you know our our website does that as well whenever we travel and go places um, to events you know um, for coverage and I and I and what what's really hard for me is that I'm not really sad because uh truthfully speaking I've always looked at it as almost like okay this is a big showing of what's going on in the industry I don't necessarily no, and I, I don't mean to be rude, but why necessarily is it super important that um, this one event that has people come together versus other events that have people come together to to show, you know, hey, these are all the cool things we want to get you hyped for, even though we could drop a trailer at, oh, I don't know, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time that serves the same purpose now in the industry currently. Um but also, I understand journalistically that, you know, when there's events, there's opportunities to talk to people that you normally wouldn't be able to, right? I understand that. Um, so the question that I have is that where do we go from here? You know, that's what I'm thinking a lot about. What's that mean necessarily? And again, for myself, it, 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 I, I just view it where it's like, what does the ESA do now? Because when, when speaking with Chris, I thought one of the things that was interesting is that it was mentioned that the ESA does still have, you know, it's still able to support it. That's separate from what it does normally. So it, it's not a case of where that it can't do it, that it it sounds like it'll be back next year. It's not a definite. <laughs> I've seen so many people post, oh, it's dead. Do, it, do we know that? I, I don't think so. So I don't know. So where do we go from here? That, that's the question that keeps revolving around my head regarding E3. It's hard to imagine what E3 2024 could be. Chris wrote a, a really good opinion piece which offered a little bit of insight because he was directly involved in some of the planning for E3. Um, the long and the short of it, and I recommend you actually read how he put it, um, because I'm not going to be able to quote him word for word, is that the team behind E3, both across kind of Repop and ESA, were doing a lot of um, gauging of feedback from the industry as to what it was the companies want because over the years the, the event has been shifting towards more becoming kind of a public event or a public and trade event. There are people who want it to be more business only or at least business and consumer separate. The, and now the, so the, the comparison is to Gamescom. If anyone's been to Gamescom, um, obviously you know absolutely massive um, trade show. It's honestly physically, it's like two, three times the size of E3 in terms of like the number of halls and the size of those halls. And the way they do it is they have completely separate halls for business events and you know, business booths, business meetings, 
and all business attendees, and then they have the big flashy consumer halls where all the games are, and the public can go and play them, and there's, you know, cosplay and all that sort of stuff. Um, so the plan was to try and keep things separate, the plan was to try and make things affordable, and they were, my understanding is the team were trying their absolute damnedest to meet what everyone wanted, and yet people weren't committing and people weren't booking. And, as we've been saying a lot, it's because they don't need it. They don't need or want it, because as we've said a lot, they have means to do things. Everything that you can do at E3, you can do elsewhere. Yes, it's a place for the business to connect, but it's not like we're short on big industry conferences throughout the year. You've got GDC, Gamescom, DICE, like... There are so many events. I mean, Christ, if you start factoring smaller ones, I think there's pretty much a conference every single week for the next about four or five months, easily, from GDC onwards. Um, so they don't need the E3 to, as a place to meet with a the business. They don't need the E3 to market to retailers because games retail is minimal. It's a fraction of what it was back in the day when this was a primarily a retail focused show they don't need E3 to present their games because as we said we've got all these um, digital showcases and kind of to a point I think Jeffrey was making about smaller publishers the amount of smaller publishers that are now doing their own their own direct style things so you've got like uh, Play On formerly Kosh Media they do their own uh, presentation Wired Productions they do their own wired, you know, their own presentation like any any studio of any size can now do a conference in the same way that Nintendo does Nintendo Direct, so there's no need for that. So in terms of what E3 becomes next, when you when you check off all the things that you can do without going to E3, there's very little left that would warrant people tra- travelling to Los Angeles. I think perhaps the, the link to other other areas, other industries outside of the game space is perhaps the biggest benefit. Like as Chris kind of pointed out in his piece, and as we've said many times when we've been talking about E3, E3 is the one time, as much as there are conferences throughout the year and showcases throughout the year, E3 is the one time you will get the non-games mainstream media paying attention to what is happening in games. It's the one time you'll see game stories on the front of the BBC or you'll have CNN and all the American news channels down, down there with camera crews. Like it's it's a moment of sharing the 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 world, not just the video games community, but the the whole world. What video games are doing, albeit primarily through a Western focused AAA lens, but it's still it's still it was still that it was an important moment. I don't know how you recreate that, but then I've been thinking about this recently. I don't know what other entertainment industries do this like. Music and music, you don't have like one week where all the artists announce their new albums. Books, the you know the five biggest publishers of uh, of of you know fiction publishing don't band you know band together in some big conference venue and as well these are all the big books that we've got coming out this year and these are all the big authors. Which it doesn't happen. Film and TV have various festivals, but I'd say the closest you get to what an E three is are the kind of the blockbuster announcements you get attached to a Comic Con. And there are lots of Comic-Con-style events in games. There's things like PAX, which Repop does as well. Um, or you get things like Disney, when they do their like D23, D24, whatever. Like, you know, they're, they're big conference where they're now right, right, here's all the billion of... Here's the billion... You know, here's the next wave of classic Disney films we're going to put make into unnecessary live-action remakes. Like, But again, that's the equivalent of an Xbox 
showcase. Yeah, that used to they, be San Diego Comic-Con where they would do all the things and then Disney bought all of the big nerd properties and now it's that Disney event, right? So it's just like yeah. with Nintendo and Sony and such moving to their own discrete showcases and not sharing the spotlight. I, I think San Diego Comic-Con has kind of seen the same thing happen because the, the big news happens at the the already owned Disney showcase thing and that leaves Comic-Con sort of you know with the 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 leftovers hmm. like cowboys and aliens <laughs> I still need to see that No you don't <laughs> No I don't Um one one thing I'd say as well, as well like in terms of the changing needs is I think the cadence of the industry has changed in terms of E3 historically was always focused on, or at least led by, like the headline stuff was the AAA games. And as we said earlier, like it was originally primarily to kind of announce or at least begin really heavily marketing everything that was going to be coming out in the run up to Christmas because that was the most vital sales period. There was a time, I remember when I first started doing this sort of job, by that point, you know, in that time, so late, late 2000s, early mid 2000s. Between September, whatever week FIFA came out in September, and end of November, early December, you would have easily four or five big games almost every week. There'd certainly be at least one big game. And by big game, I mean AAA or at least very high AA. Like a big game from a big publisher every single week, often multiple. And you look nowadays, because video games take so long to produce, because there are so fewer AAA companies uh, companies now, or at least we've lost that kind of AA space, because a lot of people launch digitally and launch throughout the rest of the year, you've probably only got... And and, let's say it because of the effect of the pandemic on on development. The last few years, that that run-up between FIFA and Christmas, you've only really had like four or five big games at all. Like, you know, there'd be years where Nintendo would release, like, a Zelda and a Metroid and a Mario. I'm thinking specifically 2007. Like, Nintendo released, like, a Mario and a Metroid and a Zelda in the run-up to Christmas. And now you will get one of those. It used to be that Activision used to have a Call of Duty and a Transformers and either a Bond or a Marvel or a Spider-Man and probably a Skylanders and something... And a Guitar Hero. Tony Hawk. And now they just have... Tony Hawk and Tony Hawk, and now they just have Call of Duty. Like the industry, the the AAA side of the industry, and the one that was benefiting the most from E3 has shrunk, or at least spread itself out a lot more now. You know the amount of the amount of games you get coming out between New Year and April compared to say ten years ago is hugely different. So E3's relevance as a as the moment of E3 has become less relevant. And I'm veering straight back into why E3 is going rather than what happens next. I think it's because I genuinely don't have answers as to what happened next. As I say, like you know, there are so many things that E3 did that companies use E3 for that they can do themselves and they can do remotely. It's... Yeah, I don't see what one unified show looks like anymore so i think we can we can look at it from like a few different ways of how do you solve this problem with e3 and right now i think one of the problems with e3 is when in the year it is just because in in june i i think 
companies are actually less certain about what they're going to have in the holiday season now. Um, they're they're just that this might be recency bias or something, but it does seem like a lot of games are getting delayed and and getting delayed. Um, I, I actually I, I don't know if it's necessarily more games getting like a greater percentage of games getting delayed than before, but like the games the bets on them are so much bigger now because companies are producing fewer games, fewer bigger bets that uh, the delays are still happening at the same rate, but having a delay is um, more more costly. And I think that might be part of why the June window of E3 is is less um, less appealing now. But if you look at the the calendar, like what would be the ideal time to do this? To have a really big industry spanning show where we show off everything for the holiday season? Like oh I don't know maybe August, like exactly the time that Gamescom is already staked out, and you're not going to run a competing e3 at the same time as gamescom i i think just because that would before like you'd get e3 and then half the companies would like just take their e3 booth over to gamescom uh and the, the, a lot of the stuff that they showed was the same and there would be gamescom press announcements and press conferences and such but they would be you know uh, certainly a step below what we would get at e3 but you know with no e3 um I think Gamescom is kind of the time that would be a better time, but it's already spoken for. And I don't think you're going to be doing it. You know, if you go far enough in advance of Gamescom to make it worth your while, you're still in that June window. And if you go after Gamescom far enough to make it worth your while, then you're already, you know, you've missed the August and September is kind of where the, some big holiday releases start coming out. Right. Certainly, annualized stuff like madden is the kick off i'm sorry i really tried to find a different way to phrase it (laughs) for that for that holiday march every year um and you're not going to have a games conference like e3 in october or november when you know you're saying like hey get excited for this brand new thing that we just announced and not our holiday lineup which is on store shelves now or coming out in the next few weeks so, like, I think that's that's a big problem. What are the what are the other things? Uh, it's companies not sharing the spotlight. I don't think that's going to change. Like, if you can have the certainty, if you're Nintendo, of just doing a Nintendo Direct and having everyone show up. If you're Sony and you can do state of play, um, and then competition from like the the Keeley Summer Games Fest and E3 Awards, not E3 Awards, um, VGA awards the vga awards is a good time for this because it happens like in december right most of the holiday sales kind of things are already are already done um you're you're you don't have new releases really to compete against by the second week of december or so when they have it and that seems like a good time to just get people really excited about games and future games and maybe they'll you know go out and use their their holiday money on on stuff as well because with it doesn't seem like it undercuts what the the publishers are trying to do around that time anyways um and that exists and that's like a hey we've got eyeballs here and you can buy your way into this 
cavalcade of commercials if you want uh, and that that makes sense for something that's very much like what the VGAs are doesn't really make much sense for an E3 kind of function though uh, early in the year is like I, d- I don't know I don't, I don't think that's much much better really I don't think people are really trying to like get everyone stoked and make all these big announcements in February and March necessarily I just I, I look around and I, I don't see a lot of answers on where you can meaningfully address what publishers desires are in a way that other things aren't already addressing the the, the fandom you know sorry just drag this out the fandom aspect of it also like we have shows like pax you know conferences like that where from a news perspective you might get one or two stories out of it each year but like you know they they are well attended people that go there they get super excited to play games meet everyone and then go spend money on the show floor and like a function like that there's still clearly demand for um but yeah pax is sort of and and other shows uh like it around the world it's it's they're all very kind of local right i'm not sure how many people are flying from out of country for a pax um but if it's if it's you know like a road trip for the day to get there then yeah a lot of people go to that so you can have more of those but those aren't e3s um so it's it's just it's a hard problem and i'm not sure it has a solution and it's the kind of thing where like if nintendo microsoft and sony saw value in promoting the industry uh in general and and having sort of a rising tide lifts all ships approach to to the promotion then like you know if if they kept showing up for e3 other people would too um but if they're not all on board with that then i'm not sure that other people will follow there there was an e3 a few years ago where take two was there and they were showing functionally nothing they had like they had the new nba game uh which they were showing like in a sort of you know one-on-one appointments with with developers but their booth it was it was not there were no games on the show floor for people to play their booth was just like hey come here chill out talk to our execs that's all we have this year and they were there because they saw value in e3 the show um maybe they just wanted to make sure that they would have that booth space the next year when they were coming and they actually wanted to to show stuff but like it 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 was an expenditure that was worth it in their eyes and i don't think there are very many companies in the industry right now that see value in e3 like that i think the year you're talking about with take two not really having anything was 2018 that's the only year I've been. I remember going through, I think it was the South Hall, and Take-Two's booth was there, and it was, like you said, it's just this lounge of, like, you know, little meeting rooms off the middle of this lounge. It's like It felt like a Gamescom business hall booth that had been plonked into the middle of a consumer hall booth. It was really out of place. And, yeah, it, it, like you say, yeah, like kind of keeping their presence there, but also almost felt like a habit. Like, 
you're right. I don't know the solution in terms of where where else in the calendar there's room for this moment. I think it will take a long time for the industry and to perhaps a, a greater extent the media to get out of their head that there needs to be this moment in the summer. So E3 has been running since 1995. And while the first one, maybe first few were in May, it has always been, certainly as long as I've been aware of E3, and I'm talking as aware of it as a gamer, as a, as a young N64 fan reading the word E3 and wondering what the heck that is, in a mag- you know, reading the word E3 in a magazine and trying to work out what that means. Um, it has always been June. It has always been June. And then you felt that kind of... That it was it was jarring in 2020 when there wasn't an E3 for obvious reasons, and everyone attempted, you know, everyone scrambled and tried to do these these digital showcases because Nintendo had been doing it for a decade at that point and made it look easy. Um, and I remember I remember us as a team saying how frustrating and difficult and and incohesive it felt because you had like I think basically like there was a Microsoft one in May. Or maybe April. There was a Microsoft one in April. Then there were a couple more in May. There was one around June. There was a Ubisoft one in July. You still had a sort of digital games coming in August, and it basically ended up being like four or five months. What is usually crammed into one week was spread out over four or five months, and yet somehow felt more exhausting and more confusing than having it as one solid week. So I think the habit of the, the the industry will out of habit gravitate towards having something in June. I, I'm going to take this point to go on a slight tangent, like to point out that while E3 is not happening, there are still things happening in June that would essentially have been E3. So and this is where we get to the whole into the semantics of like of whether or not companies want E3. Or they just they want that E three moment, but not specifically support to support E three. So yes, June eighth starts uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, which is you know his his attempt at kind of coming up with his own E three and kind of packaging in all the other things that are around it. June eleventh is Microsoft's Xbox Game Showcase and their Starfield Direct, which is essentially their E three showing. Had E three happened, that would have been their E three showing. June twelfth, Ubisoft Forward Live. Ubisoft is going forward with its own event in Los Angeles and obviously that will be live streamed and that is essentially going to be their E3 conference. Having earlier in the year said, although you're, if, if there's demand for E3, we'll be there. If oh No, that was it. Eve said, if E3 runs, we will be there. We then reached out and was like, well, E3 is running, so are they going to be there? They said, yes, we're going to be there. Then earlier last week, they confirmed, actually, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to do our own thing. Like, the semantics of what is and isn't at E3 without physically being at E3. And then today, as we are recording, there are reports and rumours going around that Sony's going to run a state of play sometime in June, probably around that week. So <laughs> oh, E3... that is just masterfully mm. petty. I, lo- yeah, I, 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 I love it. <laughs> That is so. E three is not happening, but E three is happening. Like you know, last last year there was no E three at all. There was no digital. There was no physical E three. There was nothing, and yet the media still referred to everything in that June window from the kicking off of Jeff uh, Jeff's Summer Games Fest to the end of whatever the last one was. All of that was incompetent in the media coverage as not E three because E three has become that. My point is, like, we're, we're in that mentality. The industry, and particularly the media, are in that mentality of when there is a wave of announcements in early June, that is E3, regardless of whether or not E3 actually happens. I think regardless of what happens to E3, as in the actual event, 
it will be a long time before we break out of that mindset. I think the expectation will always be, not always, but for, for a good few years, there'll be something in June. And companies will grab, companies will feel obliged to do something in June because that's what gamers expect, that's what the industry expects. And what that becomes, I don't know. Yeah, it's great. E- E3 is just a vibe now. It's like, I can't define E3, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> so that's definitely going to be E3. Yeah. One, one thing about this that I um, think is, is sort of interesting, if, if we're talking about things that we actually lose when we lose E3, um, I, I, I think that E3 was a place where things could be discovered. Um, and it was it was still a place where if you if you had something that you were like looking to disrupt the industry with or just break into the industry um e3 was sort of the you know the 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 default way in to like make sure that you get people's attention uh when nokia launched the n-gage you know they they came to e3 and made a big splash of it when you know microsoft with the the xbox you know the the e3 presence was a a big part of their push for that um and you've you've had smaller things too you know like guitar hero was was basically discovered at e3 in in kensha hall in 2005 i want to say like that was that was a really big show for for guitar hero and getting getting attention uh on on the original ps2 game and like that was for a long time e3 was sort of a a a good place for for companies to get those eyeballs and um i i I don't think that this is a primary reason for it but i i I do think it's partly the 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 reason is, is that the big companies understand this and they don't they don't see value in supporting anything that isn't, you know, anything that is potentially a threat to them. Uh, so they're they're big on things like State of Play or Nintendo Direct or the Xbox Game Showcase, things on their platform where they're the gatekeeper and they decide what gets the spotlight uh, and, and how big a spotlight it gets. Yeah, they're going to be all for that. Anything that's not under their control, though, anything that leaves an opening for for other other companies to to come and you know benefit from it um they're they're not too keen on and and that makes me wonder about sort of the the future of the esa generally um i i think there is a need for a lobbying organization for the games industry but like the, the esa for a long time has um gotten a significant portion of its annual budget from e3 fees uh and without that without e3 they're not getting as much money e3 is also a huge expense for them to put on so it's it's kind of like um it's not like their budget is just completely halved now without e3 but they they it 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 contributed enough to to the coffers that the last time when they decided like now we're going to downscale e3 2007 and 2008 um they jacked up the member fees like 20 times 
what they had been the year before. And a lot of companies just decided, you know what, we don't need to be part of the ESA anymore because it's just too expensive. Um, and and they they responded, I think, by lowering it a little bit when, when E3 was brought back in full force. But it, it still makes me wonder, like, okay, so what does an ESA look like when it's charging more for membership uh, and then it's offering its its members less. Um, so are there going to be companies that still see the value in the ESA? And, and it still fights for, you know, various uh, IP protection issues, uh, trade issues, immigration, H-1B visas. Um, so it, it still lobbies for a number of causes. But, like, if, if they see that, like, okay, well... We don't need to worry about the uh, the content based, you know, the 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 games are making our kids violent kind of things because of a Supreme Court ruling. If they're comfortable with that, maybe they don't necessarily see the value in in lobbying on all these other issues, especially as the industry has expanded so much. The issues that the ESA might lobby on are, or the issues of it of its members and games companies in general are so diverse that. You know, EA might have an issue about uh, loot box, um, you know, the, the loot box legislation. They might be very interested in in paying a lot of money and funding a legislative fight to keep loot box legislation from, from coming into effect. On the other hand, you know, like Nintendo, Microsoft, Epic Games, you know, maybe they're not all that concerned about the loot box thing and they, they don't want to foot the bill for Microsoft's big legal fight. So, like, I do wonder long term um, if if the the attitude that the companies are taking is, you know, much more of a, well, we are, we're interested in this as long as it serves our needs directly, but not other people's. Like, we don't see the value in spending money to, to raise the, the industry in general. Um, you know, I wonder how that that combines with an industry that's whose legal interests are going to be uh, very different going forward and and how they want to to fund a trade organization about that but we talked to you know uh stanley pierre louis and and he he was very much you know like this does not impact our you know our our funding for our legislative efforts at all so is that reassuring to you maybe it just sounds like um just a lot of growing pains well Maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, but certainly something of a identity problem, almost a crisis. I want to say problem. What exactly do you want to do? How exactly do you want to go about doing it? And how do you really differentiate yourself from what everyone else is doing, which I think that part is the one I'm going to land on and just see how. <laughs> I think that's the most pressing thing in my mind. I guess the other thing too that I want to add is that even by virtue of like what we're doing at the site, what our reporting, more the the industry obviously, you know, even with E three, you know, there's a lot of focus on, you know, uh, big uh, global, you know. Um, 
titles and obviously that's that's triple a but um you know this is not necessarily triple a but obviously we're having more regions putting themselves on the map and doing that work for themselves and they are getting more notoriety and focus over the years so as the esa is trying to work with what e3 may be and may change is that will that also incorporate them as well i i i would hope that it does because um people tend to forget that the industry is is this big thing there's just you know other things happening so i i think it would just behoove them to do that but again we we don't know what that is but but to me it doesn't necessarily um it, it would be curious that you have regions such as Latin America, the Caribbean doing these things and E3, which is this big industry focused. And and e, e, even if you do the thing where it's like, well, you know, this is a space for indies as well. I think that would, that would, that would serve everyone better to just know what's happening. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of where I land on to this. Like, how do you also grow and incorporate an industry where different developers and creators are taking upon themselves to to shine a light on themselves, even if E three isn't happening, and they're continuing to do that year and year, even by virtue of our site. When you visit, like you see that we have interviews with these people who are doing this for themselves for that the, that very purpose. So, what does that look like? Again, I don't know, but these are things to consider, and I think they're important to know with where E three decides to go. That is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Game Studio Up This Podcast. You can find all previous episodes on your podcasting platform of choice. And of course, you can get more news, insight, and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. As far as I'm concerned, E3 died the day that Fernando's Taco Inn, like two blocks from the convention center, the day they closed. There's no reason to have an E3 without Fernando's.